Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone from uh, beautiful Austin, Texas by Nick Kruger. Nick, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. I'm a little worried. We have a very SEC-oriented podcast today. I'm going to try and hold my own, and, and uh, but you're, gonna, you're definitely going to have to carry the ship, uh, carry the burden today. Well, what's new? I think uh, <laughs> the, list, the listeners have kind of expects as such. Uh, Rob Cassidy not joining us today because he's on the road, actually. Uh, road dog decided to drop in at a school uh, about three hours by, away from his house, which was nice of him to, uh, to do, just swing by there on his, on his way to get the mail. Um, <laughs> so, so, hope, hope you're enjoying the road trip, old Robbie. We want to remind everyone, you can reach, reach out to us on Twitter. Um, uh, at uh, at Rivals Podcast, I'm at Rivals Woody. Nick is at Rivals Krug City. Of course, you know we cover we work for Rivals.com. We cover recruiting. Visit our website for crying out loud. Uh, we got all kinds of content there. A lot of stuff on the national pages now, free, so you can read it and uh, then take to Twitter to make fun of us about our writing. And then go to iTunes, go to Google Play, subscribe to the show. Just search Commitment Issues. So. Let's get right into the top five, Nick. Uh, we're going to start with Tennessee. Uh, what's going on at Tennessee? I mean, <laughs> I, it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit off the air. Jalen Hurd, a former five-star, very controversial five-star, if I remember from back in the day, uh, decides to quit the team midseason. He was benched in the second half of the South Carolina game the other day. Uh, there's been a few games where he didn't play in the second half. He had a he had a massive season last year, 1,200 yards. He was on his way to becoming the program's all-time leading rusher, and now he decides to just up and quit mid-season. And uh, word is he's going to transfer and go ahead and focus on playing tight end or uh, H back or another position, which I believe we thought he should have played out of high school. Uh, not that I'm uh, bragging on that one, but anyway, from the outside looking in. Nick, what's your take on the situation? And, and more importantly, what kind of effect can this have on recruiting when recruits see, you know, several highly ranked guys or guys they view as stars and guys Tennessee has pushed as stars leaving the program, especially midseason? This is the second one after Preston Williams also uh, quit the team earlier in the year. Yeah, it's definitely a strange vibe out there uh, going on with Tennessee. And you and me have talked uh, several times about various players that we've, uh, or you more specifically, have uh, covered over the past few years and kind of what goes on behind the scenes at that program, what their relationships to the coaches are, how they feel they're being used, their roles and things like that. And and it's always been a real, uh, you know, it's always been a real sort of mysterious situation as to their methodology as to how they choose to, uh, you know, divvy out snaps and minutes and uh, roles and stuff, uh, you know, with, with certain players. So, you know, I think this is just kind of another extension of that. Um, and we've seen, we you know, we sort of made mention of kind of the crack showing a little bit in Tennessee's overall confidence this season when LSU and Florida had that game canceled and rescheduled and Butch Jones comes out and talks about the, you know, the playoff inf- implications for his team should they lose a couple of games. And, um, you know, it's just really, it's it, you know, it's really a lot of little things that kind of add up to a bigger picture of, you know, this program not really having, uh, you know, a clearly defined identity for the team, I suppose you could say, in terms of an attitude and and what they want to get accomplished. And you start to see these guys kind of wandering around. You know, their role changes on a week week to week basis. You've got a guy like Preston who already comes in as you know sort of a, a little bit of a head case, and that situation wasn't nurtured properly. You know, he's the first to bolt. Jalen, you mentioned, is probably you know is a guy that has a skill set that could be used at a couple of different positions. You know, and ends up 
in a situation where he's not being used in any of them. You watch their games a lot closer than I do, so you'd have a better feel for that than than me. But you know, like you said, as an outsider looking in, it, it really just seems like we've got a scatter shot of things going on out there on a week to week basis, and that's really starting to take its toll. Yeah, I think the the problem you have from a recruiting standpoint is. I mean, this is not good. You can't have guys coming in, especially highly ranked guys, whether the coaches think they're good or not. I, I, I think it's a concern when you got guy. You got Drew Richmond come in. Okay, he was a five star. Everyone wanted him. I mean, Alabama was 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 in it to the end to try to get. Well, him. they flipped him. They he, flipped him. He was committed, and they flipped him at the last minute. They must have made. They must have made him some. You know. Big time promise. Right. He was committed to Ole Miss. So he goes there and then he ends up redshirting. He comes in. He, he, he struggled at the beginning of the year when he was a starter. He then gets benched. He comes back in the Alabama game and actually, you know, played pretty well in a game that was kind of out of hand. Uh, but then he goes back to the bench. So you got him. He, he, he's unhappy. And then you have a guy like Kyle Phillips, who was a five star defensive end. They, they move him to D tackle despite him not being big enough as a freshman. He ends up getting hurt. Uh, now, you know, he's, he's kind of expressed desire maybe to not play that position. He is playing that position. Now, uh, you got Preston Williams, who, you know, is a nightmare, obviously as a personality, uh, the coaches and him had major issues. He decides to leave. And now the same with Hurd. The, the problem is from, a, from an outside perspective, and more importantly for other co- coaches who are negative recruiting, if you're a five-star guy, yeah, I mean, you're going to obviously negative recruit against Tennessee. I mean, now if the kids were left to their own accord to to uh, make their decision, they don't, you know, you and I both know that high school kids don't really don't really look too far back into the history books when it comes to see things going. But uh, you better believe that every coach is going to remind them going forward that that you know, look, these are highly ranked guys who went there. They couldn't get on the field. They struggled. They didn't like it. And that's ammunition for a school, even like you mentioned, Old Miss that, that that lost Richmond. I mean, well, and the uh, and the other thing, the the other theme that we've talked about with Tennessee going back, uh, you know, through through the course of this season is how much how how heavy of a focus they put on recruiting out of state as well. And so when you don't have the opportunity to, to you know to uh, you know plead your case to to guys, and you're trying to get guys from out of state, and then this is what they're seeing from an outsider's perspective, that certainly doesn't help them on the recruiting front either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it would be one thing if it's one guy. Sure, there are guys who don't work out, but you, you're, they're starting to stack up on top of each other here. And you know, as a Tennessee fan, I think it's you know, it's you, you got to be disappointed because the way they started, it looked like they were you know a team of destiny in terms of them winning those games in the fashion that they did and instead you know maybe some of those miracle losses I mean think about it they have a Hail Mary against Georgia uh they recover a fumble in the end zone in overtime that was actually uh, Jalen Hurd who got on that ball um if those things don't happen all of a sudden you're you're three and five instead of five and three and it's a really a truly a nightmare season so I, I expect them to finish the season well probably you know, they should be favored in every game they play, but still just, you know, the recruiting implications are good here. They're already kind of having a down year in terms of uh, their class. I was expecting them to, to maybe turn some of those lower ranked guys into higher ranked players, but the momentum, uh, not in their favor right now. So I'm sure they'll, Tennessee fans will like this discussion when I share it on the message board. <laughs> um, so prepare your Twitter mentions, uh, Nick, that's at Rivals Krug City. Uh, yeah, well, let's just—you know—it's not our fault. What's going on out there? We're just talking about, it. <laughs> right? Uh, well, that's it. That's how you'd think it would work. So, uh, well, let's jump into Ole Miss. As you mentioned, it's SEC heavy. Not just the old Vols that are having some issues. Ole Miss—they're losing games. 
we know, uh, so, you know, there was still some stuff going on with the NCAA investigation, and now they're losing recruits. Uh, they lose uh, four-star linebacker Willie Gay, one of your favorite prospects in the class. He decommits. And then they have a decommitment uh, from Brian Jones, who's a four-star defensive end from Louisiana. And all of a sudden, the, the two of them, they decommit, and then you've got Michigan coming after Gay. And then uh, Oklahoma immediately offers Jones. And I, I don't think these are the kind of guys that are going to get back in the fold. I mean, from what I'm hearing in Michigan, they're basically already considering uh, Gay uh, as a guy that's going to be in their class. So um, I don't know. Like, you look at Ole Miss's class, and this is, and and I know it's there's uncertainty there, and and I, I really think that they've kind of tampered down their recruiting efforts just because they're they don't know what to tell kids. I mean, the coaches don't they don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Nobody knows. I mean, we see in these NCA. Uh, investigations drag on and I think you know it killed Miami's recruiting for several years you know it hurt USC tremendously and now it's Ole Miss who's sitting here you know you're <laughs> you're looking at the the team rankings Nick and they're they're way down the list uh, they're 13th in the conference they've got 10 commits only one four star uh, is it time to start panicking if uh, you're an old Rebels fan yeah I think so a little bit and if I if my research is correct, I believe they had three other decommitments last month as well. Two of them being a, a ju- junior college uh, commitment. So you know, really, things things have kind of been on a downward trend for them for the past couple of months. And I don't think um, their play on the field has has you know this season has really helped things at all. In addition to you know what you mentioned earlier going on with the NCAA, one of the kids uh, that I just went to go see a couple weeks ago. Uh, three-star receiver R.J. Sneed. I reported that you know I thought that he was between uh, Nebraska and Ole Miss as a as a commitment that was supposed to happen this past weekend. But you know he's doing one of those video commitments, and sometimes things with those uh, it's got to be a flexible date. So, uh, he, but he needed more time to. <laughs> <laughs> but but one of the one of the things uh, in talking to somebody close to him that that was brought up was. Uh, you know, a little bit of trepidation over what's going on with the NCAA there. So I can't really, you know, I mean, it's every kid values those things differently. Certainly here in Texas, I know I've still talked to a number of kids that, you know, still have interest in Baylor as a program, and they're just not hearing uh, from the coaches out there because the coaches, I think, have you know a lot of uncertainty as as far as what their role is going to be with that program going forward. I don't necessarily think that's the case at Ole Miss, but there is something to be said for you know what sort of consequences will be. Uh, you know, it's still yet to be determined there. But I mean, yeah, you you brought up what I was going to uh, bring up as well. Michigan and Oklahoma coming after both of those guys. And, you know, we talked about negative recruiting being, uh, you know, a point of conversation in, in relation to Tennessee. And, you know, you got to think that, you know, with the way things were trending at Ole Miss uh, and the and the quickness of, uh, you know, Michigan and, and Oklahoma sweeping in on those two guys, you know, with their offers, I think both of them had them come within a day or, or either before or after their their decommitment announcements you got to think that that had something to do with their decisions as well there so uh you know i mean this is this is just how it goes sometimes right i mean when you're winning everything goes well and you can you know you can kind of talk away some of the some of the concerns when things you know when you've had a number of disappointing losses like Ole Miss has i mean it's not like they're getting blown out but i mean just the the heartbreaking fashion that they lose some of these games i think there's something to be said it's more than just losing it's like ah it's just you know it, it just seems like instead of it being a team of destiny in a positive way for tennessee it seems to have been uh the other side of the coin for Ole miss well yeah and you know what they they have a really talented roster i mean this you're talking about a team that was 
that was, you know, up a ton of points on Florida State. They were beating Alabama. I don't, I don't remember how big that lead was, but it was, it was sizable. They only lost by five points. They put up 43 points on that defense. So the talent is there, but like you said, sometimes when the ball gets uh, rolling downhill, it's, it's, it's hard to stop. I, I do think that, you know, I said to you off, off air, if I'm Ole Miss, I, I just self-impose that bowl ban this year. Just forget it. Just take it and uh, take, add that to your penalties right now to, to soften the blow. I, I haven't heard any talks about that, but um, we saw Louisville do that in basketball. And that worked out for them pretty well. I think, you know, you talk about kids from Mississippi rarely leave the state. So if they can get this wrapped up, you know, in the next two or three months, I'm sure the the administration there is pushing. If they can get a resolution and and just get the penalties they're going to get and move on, I think they can still get guys like Cam Akers. I think they can get Gay back in the class. Um, I, I think they can get these guys. Top, top players from Mississippi don't want to leave. I mean, it's it's been proven. Go and you know check the stats, Nick. Get your facts straight. Um, they don't they don't want to they don't want to leave. So uh, I think that's something to watch. But if I'm an old Miss fan, I'm definitely nervous. And like you said, the season's been tough, especially with the talent they have on the roster. But guess what? They've got a lot of talented guys behind them. Shea Patterson's coming in next year. He'll be the starter. So uh, I think there's a there's a lot to watch there. Uh, boy, I'm right into another SEC team. We wanted to talk about Florida, and uh, this is where our boy Rob, who uh, would, would really come in handy, because uh, Darius Lemons, who's a who is a four-star commit, he's had all kinds of drama. I mean, this is a kid who uh, we actually talked about last week. He got kicked off his high school team, and at that time was still committed to Florida. He, at one point, was committed to North Carolina. He flipped to Florida. He tweeted he was decommitted from Florida, didn't actually decommit, never told the coaches, then said, oh, I'm still committed. Then uh, he gets kicked off his team, and now it's a disaster. Now he's, uh, I think he got dropped, I mean, just because of the off-field issues, because if you look at the timing, as soon as as soon as soon uh, he decommitted, they got a commitment from another running back, a three-star um, out of Tampa named Malik Davis. Different, they're a little bit different style running back, but I know Blake Alderman, who works for Inside the Gators, our Florida site. You know, he he really enjoyed uh, his game, and he likes him. He thinks he's trending up. So uh, this is what we talked about, Nick. Boy, what you you can't mess around getting kicked off your team, and clearly, clearly Florida's had enough. Uh, they're not playing any games, and our and our boy Lemons, who's very talented, he's a four star. I think he could be headed to the to the long road. So I guess when we talk about the Gators. You mentioned them earlier. They seem to be benefiting. You know, they're, they're, they lost that game to Tennessee, which was a game they looked like they were in control of. They gave up 38 points in a row, I think, in the second half. But they seem to have their mojo back. You hear anything about them out there? I know they got a commitment last year from a quarterback in Texas. Are they still trying to recruit uh, that state and get anything done? A little bit, yeah. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, at National uh, Recruiting uh, Co-Director Adam Gorney write a story recently about uh, Grant Delpit, former Texas, uh, you know, product here that they transferred to IMG. He's been committed to LSU for some time. Uh, you know, Gorney wrote that, uh, you know, he's he's considering taking a look uh, at the Gators here at some point this season. I went to go see uh, four-star linebacker Levi Jones um, during his Under Armour All-America game jersey presentation and uh, you know, he's a guy that Florida has started to make a priority recently because, you know, his his top team uh, has been LSU. A lot of people expect Texas to be in the mix there because he's from Austin. 
Uh, Florida seems to think that they can make a push with with him, and he says that they're in line for an official visit as well. You know, I, I, when you look at how Florida's doing, you know, this this season in the SEC, quietly one of the one of the better teams uh, in the conference. Looking forward at the rest of their schedule, they have Arkansas coming up, which suddenly looks like a very winnable game. South Carolina, we don't give too much credit to. Uh, if they could go into LSU and beat LSU after all the drama and the black eye that that came. Uh, came with that rescheduling snafu. Um, you know, I think I think that goes a long way towards their uh, reputation with with some some guys around the area and around the southeast. And they, they were considering LSU as well because you know we as good as uh, Ed Orgeron is is done in uh, you know kind of crazy circumstances. You know, there's still a lot of question as to what his future is going to be there too. So you know, if they start competing with these uh, you know with these other schools head to head and they continue their success this season. You know, I, I think they're a very viable option for, you know, to, to come through and, and scoop up a lot of recruits here. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't feel like they're recruiting on the level uh, that they should be in terms of the big time names. I mean, when, when you think about the Gators, especially you and I having both uh, lived and worked in Florida uh, for several years, you know, there's a ton of kids that want to go there. They're winning games. You know, they're they're ranked higher than Florida State. Obviously, Miami is uh, on a downturn still, even though Mark Richt is there. I think they got to capitalize. I, I would you know, personally, I think they should close strong if they can finish the season out well. They need to go out and get some big big time guys. And I think they're involved. Actually, the uh, the five star Rob is dropping in on today. They're heavily involved there. I think they're considered the team to beat. So. If, if they can start getting some players like that and, and kind of continue what they were doing under Will Muschamp, I mean, he never had an issue recruiting until once he became on the hot seat. But Jim McElwain is entrenched there. I think he just needs to uh, get those assistants out on on the road. I don't I don't think that they're uh, not doing well. I just I just think that they they're just a team that has kind of slid under the radar relative to all the drama that's going on with teams around them that they just haven't, you know, haven't owned the conversation as much as uh, some other teams have. Yeah, they're number 14 in the team rankings with 25 commits. I'd like to see them maybe, they've got, they've got uh, one five-star committed, uh, nine four-stars, 13 three-stars. So, you know, I'd like to see them maybe, uh, maybe upgrade a little bit there, but maybe like you said, some of those guys move up in the rankings. Uh, maybe Rob can drop in over there on Tampa while he's out on the road and and take a look at <laughs> that new running back commit as well. Um, let's move on. Now, we missed this topic. This is a little about a week and a half old, but I wanted to bring it back here. Donovan Jeter, who we talked about, he committed to Notre Dame, uh, I believe, when they had a bad loss at the beginning of the year when when all the Notre Dame fans were freaking out. And we told them, oh, you guys will be fine. And then now uh, they proceeded to be three and five. <laughs> so I guess that freaking out was uh, warranted. So Jeter committed to Notre Dame. Looked like he was locked in. He then flips to Michigan, which uh, which was kind of weird. I think it, it caught a lot of us by surprise, or at least, I mean, you, obviously we're not following uh, the day-to-days of Donovan Jeter's recruitment because he's from a different area of the country. But he goes ahead and flips late last month, and then now he comes out. Nick, I got the old uh, thing here from the, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He starts talking about Harbaugh. He doesn't act like he's important. He's real down-to-earth and humble. He's easy to talk to. Talking to Brian Kelly wasn't fun. It wasn't cool. You have to make an appointment just to go to his office. Boy, talk about shots fired. I mean, so the kid comes out, rips Brian Kelly, praises Harbaugh, who, you know, I think 
Uh, we all, I've talked to him. I consider him a little bit eccentric. I don't know if, I don't know if uh, cool is the way to go. But the, he's definitely not as buttoned up maybe as some other coaches. Um, but w- the, the, of course the kid had to come out later and apologize and, and thank, uh, you know, thank Notre Dame for the scholarship opportunity. Obviously it was cooked up by his coaches or his parents or something. Kids are going to say stupid stuff. I mean, I say stupid stuff and I'm an adult. But uh, does this kind of provide a window into the difference and why Harbaugh seems to have that mojo among recruits? I mean, is this, you know, is, is that coolness factor something that we think is, is really a big time uh, advantage for the well, Wolverines? you know, at, at the risk of getting myself into some hot water here, I mean, is, is it really that surprising? I mean, what, what do you see when you when you turn on when you turn on uh, a sport the sports highlight show of your choice and you see Notre Dame highlights and you see Brian Kelly's face like four different shades of red every time he talks to a player uh, when something goes wrong and then you see and then you hear you know he I think what did he go on to say in that story that Harbaugh personally picked him up in a van and took him back to the hotel can you just imagine him showing up in like his dad polo and you know his khakis and you know rolling up in the minivan and having a good time listen I, I last last weekend I went to go see uh you know our boy Chuck Filiaga I asked him you know which coach does he get along with the best he didn't want to answer that question but I said which coach makes you laugh the most and who did he say Jim Harbaugh so yeah I mean this isn't anything new to anybody when you're ta- when you're dealing with kids that are 16 17 18 years old yeah, like a goofy sense of humor is going to go a long way. I mean, look at our look at our Twitter feeds. Look at the jokes that these kids make. Like, it's not. I mean, when 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 Brian Kelly is making you make appointments to come and talk to him in his office, and you know, making creating such a business like atmosphere and everything serious, and you know, and he's not recruiting to personality. He's recruiting to uh, tradition at Notre Dame. I mean, you're going to get a, a, a certain breed of kid that fits your program. Sure. But you're really narrowing the scope of kids that you're going to bring as far as a wide, uh, you know, wide swath. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it, swath is a good word. Yeah. Well, so, but anyway, I mean, that, that's just a long way of, of me saying that, yeah, I think the way Harbaugh's personality is and the way that he's recruiting kids right now goes a much further way than, uh, Brian Kelly's. You know, it's interesting. Notre Dame kind of, you know, it does recruit itself. There's a certain type of guy that wants to go to Notre Dame. There's a certain kind of guy that they like. And, uh, you know, I, I obviously talking to a lot of the kids down here. I know a lot of the 2018 kids are interested in Notre Dame uh, from the state of Georgia. And that's just because, you know, there's still that factor of they're on NBC every game. And, you know, I was like every I remember I was arguing with uh, I was arguing with somebody about it. And I was like, every game's on TV. Well, you know, every and, football and game, if you, every if you go to Michigan too, I mean, especially with as well a, a huge program with a huge fan base, and as well as they're doing this season, it, you're going to find your way onto a big national spotlight uh, television station every every week playing for Michigan too. I mean, that's well, the, the, almost a moot. The the point the kid made was that their grandma could just turn on the TV with the antenna. <laughs> you know, and pick up NBC every week. Well, so that was, that, that, I didn't. Have, I didn't really have a. Ret- that also a works. For, that, that also for that works one. when talking about you too. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we're, we do know that I do watch games on uh, one of my several TV screens, tuned uh, to an over-the-air broadcast every week. Actually, uh, well, I don't want to get too specific, but anyway. Um, but guess what? Michigan—they're rolling, and I think they're—they're they're in a position where they're going to start. Uh, doing the old trade up. And I, I was talking to Michigan fans about it yesterday on the board on the Wolverine.com, which is our Michigan site. Um, and they, you know, they were asking me a lot of questions about, you know, Hey, what do we got going on here? Or, you know, who, who are we looking at? And I think, 
you know, some of these guys who are lower ranked in the class, maybe at the bottom of the barrel, who don't have the same type of options, uh, they're going out for the top prospects. I mean, they're going after Najee Harris. They're going after Cam Akers. They're not messing around. Now, you mentioned uh, our boy Chuck Filiaga. They're after him. They're not playing games. I mean, they, they are going to try to go get some big-time talent, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them add. They don't have a five-star now. They have several four-stars. They're going to end up with two to three five-star commits. It's just a matter of uh, of when that happens and who the guys are. So so keep on a lookout for that. Uh, and, and I think this is the worst fear that all these other fan bases that hate Harbaugh had. You know, they, they, he's very hated down here in SEC country. Um, you and I both know satellite camps don't do a whole lot for recruiting, but it does a lot for the brand and the old brand keep, uh, keeps rolling along here. And this is a perfect example of him getting even more, uh, good publicity, even though it was bad publicity for our, our boy, Donovan Jeter. Moving on Florida state. Now, boy, we almost had to have you drop into Dallas, Nick, because, uh, all of a sudden four or five stars from the state of Texas decide to drop in down there in Tallahassee. And what's going on? Is this a realistic possibility? It was a great game, great environment. We had Marvin Wilson, uh, Walker Little, Texas Ranger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeffrey Okuda, who was the other one? I forgot. Uh, Baron Browning. Baron Browning. Uh, I get Browning and Okuda mixed up, and I have done it for years. So those are four of the best prospects in the country, not to mention the state of Texas. What did they see out there? Are the Knolls a realistic possibility? Uh, did it surprise you? All the above. Go ahead. Uh, no, it does, I mean it doesn't surprise me to see them all out there at once. And I know uh, that was a you know that was a school that they had all had planned going on an official to for for some time now. I think I've thought for a long time that Ohio State was the team to beat for Brown, both Browning and Okuda. Um, you know, I've I've thought that Stanford was the the team to beat for uh, Walker Little. And, you know, Marvin Wilson's really the wild card. And I mean, if you've ever <laughs> it, it's it's funny because, you know, we you know, when you talk to him and you talk to him about uh, what he wants his future to be, he always brings up broadcast journalism. And, you know, he definitely has uh, how to handle an interview down pat. I mean, you every time he visits a school, everything that he says about his visit makes it sound like that's the school that he's going to and the fans get in an uproar. Uh, you know that that they're the new favor just because he's he was on campus there and had glowing things to say about it. Um, you know, I think with with Walker, everything that you hear about him is that he wants to. You know, he kind of wants to stay closer to home. Uh, he has family concerns. Uh, you know, in relation to to him. You know, he wants his family to be able to watch him play in person. Uh, so you would. So even though I think with with. Uh, Browning and, and Okuda being Ohio State leans, and they're all going to go up there with Marvin Wilson, uh, I believe, the November 26th weekend when Ohio State hosts Michigan for that game. I think that's the situation. Um, you know, the, the three the three of them up there are going to have have to weigh that between their FSU visit that they all took together. I think there is some some level of interest of them, uh, you know, all playing together. I, I think the the situation of 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 Marvin and and Walker being teammates together at Episcopal out there in Houston, um, and kind of uh, turning that into a situation where they would want to play together. I think that's sort of a an overblown theory. I, I thought there was a potential for that if they were both considering Ole Miss, but you know, as we mentioned with with Ole Miss, they've they've got some things to sort out that I think kind of takes them uh, out of the running relative to those other teams. So you know, we still have a little ways to go. Um, I still think, regardless, you know, Browning and and Okuda still favor Ohio State with Marvin being the wild card, and 
um, you know, and, and Little still favoring Stanford. Let's go through the four of them. Okay, we'll start with Walker Little, which he has to be named after Walker, Texas Ranger, right? Are we, why are we, no, I'm not the timeline of when he was born <laughs> and the name of that show. We're going to have to, talk, we had him on a, he was actually a podcast guest. I don't think we asked him that. Uh, so maybe uh, next time you talk to him, you can, uh, he'll probably have no idea what that show is. But anyway, Walker Little. Okay, I'll make a pick. You make a pick right now. I pick I pick Stan, Stanford. I think he's going to Stanford. Well, I put, I put I already made all my picks. I picked Stanford as well. Number two, uh, you mentioned Okuda and Bear, E. Browning. You have them both going to Ohio State, correct? Yes. Oh, boy, I think Okuda's definitely going to Ohio State. Browning, eh, I, I could see something strange happening there, but I guess I'll go with you in Ohio State. And then the man. I would himself, say Mark, I would say the only I would say the only my my guess for Browning is is team number two would be TCU, and that might they might come through and steal his commitment at the end. But otherwise, I think it's Ohio State. Okay, and then the last one, Marvin Wilson. So hard to predict. Uh, what's your pick? If if they if LSU announces that Ed Orgeron is the coach going forward, then I think LSU may, starts to become the favorite again. What, what's the story with Texas A and M? It's a no go there. Uh, you know, listen. I, as, as much as much as I want to be friends with Texas A and M, and uh, well, listen. Here's the deal. So so I think I think Texas A and M is more in play for Walker Little than they are for Marvin Wilson. I'll say that. Uh, but, but I, but, but Texas A&M, I, I think, I think they've got too much ground to make up with, with Marvin relative to the other schools to, to come through and steal his commitment. Okay. I'm going to go off the board here. Say Texas makes a big hire at uh, head coach and guess who's coming to Texas, Marvin Wilson. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> completely off the board. Uh, so that wraps up that topic, a little fun game we like to play. Uh, now this week, usually we would transition into commitment issues, conversations. We do not have an interview this week because we had, uh, four guests last week. Can you believe that, Nick? What a, what a list. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. Nick had yeah, Texas, a, a Texas fans go back, go back and listen to the Texas interview again. I don't, I don't know if it, it might've slipped through the, the cracks a little bit with Texas fans, but go back and listen to that again. Right. They had a day. We had a Texas centric conversation with, uh, Michael Huff, who was, had a great career for me on Madden, uh, back in the day. And uh, Jordan Shipley, a talented wide receiver for Longhorns, they talked about Charlie Strong and all the above. Uh, and then I had a conversation with Kamir, right? What was his name? <laughs> a- not Kamir, Akbar, that's the brother. Akbar, Kamir's yeah. the brother. Uh, Akbar Baja Bilamila, who is uh, the host of American Ninja Warrior. That was on a regular episode. And then Rob Cassidy, uh, which I believe shouting from the end of a hallway, had a conversation with Bob Stoops, <laughs> uh, which was his own episode as well. So uh, check those out. Uh, and and uh, we'll be back with another interview next week. I got a couple of irons in the fire as well. So let's get right into the tweet of the week. Don't stop tweeting me. Man, you chicken shit. So we had a crazy week in Memphis. So, so let's go over this Memphis story, Nick. I'm going to break it down for you a little bit. Let me riff. So, so we had a situation where <laughs> there was a Memphis football player who uh, allegedly stole one of his teammates' uh, video games, the aforementioned Madden, okay? Yeah. When uh, the second player found out that it happened, uh, he confronted the Madden thief, the alleged Madden thief, and there was a physical confrontation resulting in him getting the game back, right? Yeah. Well, later on that night, he called the cops because someone had taken a gun and shot up his car. <laughs> right? So, wow. 
It's, yeah, so the Wait, cops without, are involved. Without him in it, correct? Right, without him in it. Both players are suspended from the team. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, so that's, that's a bunch of bad publicity uh, in a very Memphis-type story. Um, you, you know, not what you want to hear. Uh, Memphis fans were very upset about it because of one of their top offensive players last year that was involved. Um, so then you have three players decommit from Memphis, including their four-star tight end commit, which, you know, is obviously one of the highest ranked uh, players that they'll have committed in the class. Uh, and three of the players from the state of Oklahoma decommit. Well, that, that then comes in a tweet, uh, (laughs) from one of their commitments, you know, because we had a lot of people reaching out to him. He's also from the state of Oklahoma and you say, okay, well, that makes sense. He should have some connections. Let's, let's, uh, Let's get our boy, I think it's Marcus Green, on the phone from Miami, Oklahoma. What a place. <laughs> Scenic beaches there in Miami. Um, and he, he tweets, no interviews, please. I have nothing to do with their decisions, with four exclamation points. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> now, I, to the normal person, you may read this tweet and say, oh, big deal. He didn't want to do interviews. But. Do we number one? Do we really think that anybody hit the kid up asking to do an interview with him about the three other players who committed? What do you think? Uh, yes, I do. I I don't know. I I feel like here's here's the thing. And what I what I was gonna bring up when we had talked about this before we started recording is kids kids that come kids that come out and say on Twitter it's it's a weird uh, it's it's really a weird juxtaposition for you to come out on Twitter and post something anything whether you're decommitting making a commitment talking about other kids decommitting and ending it by saying no interviews that that that's really that's really my frustration is is you clearly want some level of attention by inserting yourself into that situation and then uh but then to say don't talk to me about it is really i mean <laughs> he'll move of the week as far as i'm concerned well we we had a uh i had a kid recently text he he texted me and said hey I decommitted from school X. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I was like, did you tweet it already? He said, yeah. So I go look at the tweet and it says I'm decommitted, no interviews. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. he texted me, uh, to, to let me know of the situation. And at which point I, uh, I mean, we've talked, we've talked many times. You, you're definitely the outlier in this industry for, for the number, for the number of people that reach out to you about things when other people, you know, it, I mean, that's a that's a textbook example of where you it, for all the people that think that Woody Womack is not a power player in the recruiting <laughs> coverage industry. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I can't you know, I can't I, I can't get kids to give me the time of day. You know what I mean? And then to have that be your situation is really an enviable, you know, sort of deal for me. Well, I texted him back. I said, I thought we I thought you said no interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit him. I hit him right back with it uh, when he wanted to start doing an interview. So we did do a mini. Well, then did he did he cut off conversation? Well, no? we we finished it off, but well, I didn't get too in depth uh, because it, you know, unfortunately for him, the school had basically dropped him. Uh, you know, which was kind of a bummer on his front because I felt bad mm-hmm. for him. So, um, which which is something that really happened. So we'll move on. Memphis, Memphis. Unfortunately, they they've lost a couple of games, lost a couple of commits. And uh, but then guess what? You got the tweet of the week. He's still committed. So uh, let's move on to the game of the week. You know, we, of course, we make our picks every week. And guess what? Last week we all picked Nebraska to cover the nine-point spread against Wisconsin. And guess what they did, Nick? They covered it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> Nick and Rob moved to six and two on the season, which is incredible. If you were betting money on those picks, 
you'd be in the money. I am five and three, which guess what? You'd still be in the money because I'm above 500. So uh, this week, it's we just fi- not as much. We figured let's ride the hot hand. Let's go with Nebraska again. They're playing at Ohio State. Ohio State a 17 and a half point favorite. Boy, that's a lot of points, Nick. Um, what's your take on this game? Well, geez, I mean, from both sides of the coin, I, I think there's I think there's a little bit of question surrounding Nebraska quarterback Tommy Armstrong and just how effective he actually is uh, as the the quarterback of that offense there after having been in that role for several years, which is you know kind of crazy to consider considering uh, <laughs> considering how how well they've uh, done this season. Um, you know, certainly a lot of people expected them to lose the game against Wisconsin, but I thought they put up a pretty good fight. They hung in there. Uh, and did exactly what we expected him to do, you know, not just covering that spread, but really gave Wisconsin a good game there. Ohio State, you know, that's another situation when the Vultures are starting to circle a little bit. People wondering what's going on with that offense, how effective, uh, you know, has the quarterback position been over the past couple of weeks for them as well. And 17 and a half points, given all those circumstances, is is uh, is a pretty big spread. Now, this game is at Ohio State, which... Uh, they hosted Northwestern last week as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. And that was a very close and, game, which and you and I both watched closely. You being two to three plays ahead of me and spoiling the game for me repeatedly via text. Wow. <laughs> well, it's not like you've never done that to me before, but but anyway, so so get you know, I, I listen, I. Man, this is. I, I really want to say because I, I've really been betting with my heart on a lot of these picks, and I, and I want to say Armstrong hears the whispers. You know, takes the opportunity to go into Ohio State as a statement game for him. Nebraska has has a chip on their shoulder. People have been telling him all season long that they're not as good as their record says. Ohio State, meanwhile, just just skimming by with victories. Uh, Northwestern really, you know, giving them a, a, a game as well last week and, and and probably had a better chance to win if they would have managed some things a little bit better, as, as you'll probably complain about here shortly. Uh, I really want to pick Nebraska to cover here in this situation. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going with the Huskers again. Nebraska fans, you know, give me a high five over the airwaves. Yeah, you guess what? I'm going all in with the old Husk Nation, uh, which is not a, yes. not a term that they use. But I guess what? I just coined it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that ESPN fan, the commercial where they had the Nebraska fan at the DMV trying to uh, pick out a custom license plate, and all of them were taken. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept trying to do variations of husk um which oh. <laughs> we, maybe we could dig that up and play the audio of that but uh anyway uh i like the huskers that's too many points 17 and a half you know nebraska just or ohio state lost the week before four and a half points you know four point win over over northwestern in a game northwestern you have the ball i, I was like screaming at the tv and i don't care who wins or lose i'm not a fan of northwestern or or anybody else you have the game, you're you're in the red zone, go for a touchdown, kick a field goal with three minutes left and two timeouts or whatever. I mean, they just blew that game down the drain, and I, I couldn't believe it. So if I'm a Northwestern fan, I'm mad at, about the way that worked out. Um, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm very happy that, that uh, the old coach, the old ball coach there at, at Northwestern didn't know what he was doing. So... Uh, I'll take if we, if we ever if we ever did a contest where like the grand prize was you get to you get to watch a football game with me and Woody, which is a contest nobody would enter. But if if they did, the amount of complaining we would do from the choices the coaches make throughout the course of the game would just really I mean, that that would really be a turnoff for whoever won that sweepstakes. Yeah, well, sure, that's why, you know, my neighbors across the street invited me over to watch football. They're notorious Florida State fans and War Chant subscribers, believe it or not. 
they invited me over to watch a game with them a couple weeks ago, and I was like, nah, you probably don't want me to come over uh, <laughs> and watch that game. So not to mention, guess what? I got five TVs at my house, so I don't need to come watch yours. So um, yeah. humble brag. Anyway, let's move on. It's time for Rants and Recommendations. This week, uh, I'm going to start. Well, I don't, I don't really have a recommendation this week. But by the way, did you get any trick-or-treaters to come by your house uh, for Halloween? No, but I'm I'm living in a in an apartment right now too, so it's a lot of right, right. But I figured there might be some some children, some busy. Well, Halloween's actually. Oh yeah, Halloween was yesterday. No, I don't know. No, we didn't get any. Well, guess what? I I bought I bought eh, about fifty dollars worth of candy, and uh, you'll be eating uh, all of it. Nine total. (laughs) Well, no, we had about nine total kids cut make it out. Yeah. Um, and guess what? The last three kids got a lot of candy. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, Halloween ain't what it used to be. We got clowns running around in the streets that everybody doesn't know if they're just messing around or not. And no, nah, these other clowns things. are a major problem. <laughs> so anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed their Halloween. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have a recommendation, but guess what? Friday night, Nick, I, I made a, a long road trip. I mentioned to you that you know I haven't traveled as much this season as I have in years past, which leads to me watching a lot of players in the state of Georgia. You know, I got a, I got a big month of December. I'm going to be on the the road basically the entire month, so I'm trying to stay close to home. And I decided to make the trip up to old uh, Franklin County, Georgia, which is a bit of a drive, about an hour and a half away. You know, in small town, it's kind of a place where everybody turns out to watch the game, real Friday Night Lights situation. They're playing Morgan County. Morgan County's got uh, probably three three uh, Power 5 caliber prospects on their team. And I thought maybe I could find somebody on Franklin County. I was wrong about that. But guess what? Every time Franklin County scores, they do this tradition, which you and I have seen at several schools, where they shoot a cannon. And you think, okay, a cannon, like a big cannon? No, first of all, the cannon is the size of like a remote control car. <laughs> uh, their things are tiny. But when they shoot this thing off, I mean, it sounds like a bomb, like a bomb has exploded. I mean, the sound is so loud at these things. I mean, I've complained about it before. I wore my headphones specifically to alter the sound, and I woke up on Saturday morning with a swollen eardrum because of the, the the explosion sound was so loud at this school. I've considered writing the athletic director a note. Guess what? Franklin County. I understand. Cool. It's a tradition. Why? Why is that a tradition? Yeah, I could see if you're okay, your army, your navy, you shoot cannons. That's what you do. I mean, it's something that happened. I mean, maybe it's a civil war thing. I don't know. But you cannot shoot off the – in what world at a school where you, if you bring a pocket knife to school, you get expelled, you're allowed to shoot off cannons in <laughs> stadiums full of people? That's a safety issue. Well, it's not, you know, a, real, it's not a real cannon. <laughs> well, well, guess what? What happens if you accidentally you – know, you think it's a blank and it's an actual cannonball in there that shoots out onto the field in the middle of the game? Mm-hmm. I sent you a video clip of me from a game at Roswell earlier this year when somebody scored a touchdown and the cannon shot off and – I it, it I mean I almost dropped the camera because yeah well that's that that sound. was the problem with that because they shot that cannon off the second that he crossed the plane it wasn't like he scored there's a little celebration everybody's rowdy then we shoot the cannon off it was like the sec it was like they had a sensor 
for when and and it ruined your shot basically, right? I mean, the second that the second that he crossed the plane, your camera's shaking because you weren't expecting that to happen. What a disaster! And I mentioned to you the last time you brought that up. The big thing here in Texas is train horns. And say what you want to about can <laughs> say what you want to about cannons. At least it's a boom impact, you know, one time thing. With the train horns, if you're within fifty, you know, fifty feet of directly in front of that thing, it's going and they hold that they hold that mother out for a long time. And that's really, a, you know, that's really a, a situation that I just. I'm not happy about it myself. That's annoying, but it's not quite as jarring. I think, you know, leave oh, that stuff jarring. to hockey. I mean, it's jarring? Well, it's, the, it's, jar, it's not as jarring as that, you know, a potential weapon, a bomb de- being detonated in a crowd full of people. I think it's unsafe. I wouldn't do it. I think it's, you know, it's in poor taste given, you know, today's uh, yeah. c- current climate well, and the kind of events that have been happening. Well, that's not going to go very far here in Texas. What do you yeah, so well the train horn, guess what? That that's a hockey th- the hockey thing is like the boat horn. I know they they used to do it in Oregon. I grew up in Oregon. The the Oregon Ducks do a uh, boat horn type thing, but when you're at a huge stadium, it's not as jarring as it is like you said when we're in the stadium there's a thousand people there and it sounds like, you know, I don't know. I hate trains. I hate train horns. Which, I, the which... one, the one thing. Continuing on with the train conversation, I was at a game a couple of weeks ago. Cypress Ranch, I believe, their marching band did a thing before kickoffs where the drum line would do like a chung 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 chung, chung and then like all the horn section managed to sync up like random like wah, wah, wah. like they never did the same thing all the time, but it sounded and they would they would pick up the speed a little bit and it sounded like a train. And they would get a little bit louder, and it sounded like a train coming down the tracks right up to the moment where they kicked the ball off, which I thought was a much better use of the train. No, that is that is pretty. That's pretty good. I I will give a big shout to the Morgan County Band, which did a Willy Wonka themed halftime show. Oh, very uh, nice. Which really had me really had me enjoying it. And also, after they won the game, it was it was Franklin County's senior night, mm-hmm. and when the game ended, the Mor- the Morgan uh, County Band then played that Flo Rider song, "My House." <laughs> um, which I really, which uh, I really not, enjoyed as being passive aggressive. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to give anybody props for playing Flow Ride under any circumstances, but I will say on the heels of my recommendation last week for playing Paula Abdul, going into the the deep dives of of uh, good music selections for marching bands, we saw Justin Northwest play "Don't Fear the Reaper" coming out of uh, a quarter break, and the drum major had himself the cowbell. And was uh, making that not not quite not quite the you know ex- the unexpected selection of Cold Hearted Snake by Paula Abdul, but uh, still something I appreciated as a as a non common non traditional marching band selection. Right. So I I enjoyed the you know I had a nice meal in Franklin County. I, I enjoyed the town up there in Carnesville, but uh, I actually enjoyed the game atmosphere. But you got to no no cannons. I don't think it's appropriate. So let's hear uh, let's hear your rant, old old Nicky boy. What what. Uh... What are you going to complain to us about? Well, here's something that I know everybody can relate to. Imagine this. You're going to the grocery store. You just need to pick up, you know, a gallon of milk, a carton of eggs, a a potato, whatever the case is. You're coming down the aisle and uh, somebody who is already parked and is walking to the store just, you know, we've all walked with our cell phone in our hands. But sometimes these people don't even have that as an excuse. And they just start drifting into the middle of the lane as you're trying to make your way to whatever parking spot you might find. And they're just completely oblivious to the fact that any traffic whatsoever might be coming the same way that they just drove down seconds ago to park their own car. Yes. The other thing that really bugs, and this is, this is a, a rant and recommendation, a part two to the parking lot habits. Is, listen, if you've, got a, if you've got a Vespa 
if you've got a motorcycle, something that's a bike-sized vehicle, you don't need to take up a whole parking spot. This isn't a new rant for anybody. Everybody's had that moment where they think they've got the primo parking spot. They start pulling in, and lo and behold, there's a bicycle. If you have a motorcycle and you're that big of a jerk to take up a whole parking spot, at least park it to the end of the parking space so that way we don't already start our turn into the spot before we see you in that spot. The one that really gets me is when people take uh, when people take parallel parking spots with their motorcycle, because if you're in a situation where you're trying to parallel park, you're definitely in a situation. It's a high traffic area, high volume, high concentration of people. Parking spots are at a premium, and you and your Kawasaki are taking up an entire, you know, parking spot that could be meant for a sedan <laughs> that's carrying four to five people. Uh, you really have to have some hoot spot to be pulling that maneuver. But I did say on the other end of things, in my own in my own parking lot at the aforementioned apartment that I live in. Somebody had the decency to park their motorcycle behind their own car in one parking spot. And I was like, you know what? Bravo. Congrats to you. You know, you really thought this one through and you're acting in everybody's best interest. So thank you to that person. Two units over. Boy, what a what a marathon rant from Nick. That may be one of your best ever. I don't I don't have a recommendation. I did, you know, that that app I recommended last week, uh, Tunity. I actually did a demonstration for some uh acquaintances at the bar the other night and boy you want to talk about a round of applause i would recommend it just for that just so you could show it to people they were so impressed they acted like i invented the app so um give that a shout if if uh, you didn't hear why i like it uh check out last week's episode um so anyway that does it for us be remember to subscribe to us on itunes visit rivals.com follow us on twitter all the above if you're, you're listening to the show you probably do those things anyway but you get the deal a big shout to uh, M. Deuce, uh, our friend, Mark, for providing the music. You can find him on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com, M-Deuce. He's working on some new stuff. I know he put some videos up on Facebook. Hey, we're still waiting on those T-shirts there, uh, Marky boy. I thought we had that, uh, there was a promise of some T-shirts coming our way. I haven't seen those yet. So, uh, of course, we haven't given him anything for... Uh, I'll send him a Rivals hat, and then he'll have to send us... Uh, some shirts so that wraps it up for us we'll be back with another episode next week (laughs) 